Welcome to Florence Talks, the podcast for care managers, owners and operators. I'm Dan Blake, and every two weeks we'll be talking to social care professionals to discuss topical issues and bring you tips and actionable insights that you can use in your care setting. Thank you for listening, and now let's jump into this week's episode of Florence Talks. Okay, so uh, very excited today to welcome Neil Eastwood to the podcast. Neil is He's up there in the as an A-list celebrity, I'd say, in the social care scene. If you haven't heard of Neil Eastwood, then where have you been for the last few years? On the other hand, you know, Neil is very famous for being a recruitment specialist. Some may say a one-trick pony, but I'm sure there are there are more uh, there. He has more strings to his bow. So, hi, Neil. Welcome today, and uh, great to have you on on board. Hey, yeah, hey, Dan. No, great to be here. Thanks very much for inviting me along. And we've also got Charles Armitage today, who is, uh, well, I work alongside Charles and he was interested to come along because he wanted to chat to Neil too. So Neil, for those people that have been living under a rock for the last few uh, years, um, maybe you could just set the scene, um, quick introduction, two minutes on yourself, your background and the, your sort of journey in the care sector to date, please. Yeah, of course. So, um, I mean, I, I've been involved in paid social care since about 1976. Uh, my dad was a vicar, so I had to kind of is expected to help um, old people out in the community and so that's kind of my first sort of experience of it and then um, uh, I did other things and I was working in healthcare and then eventually took a job in uh, 12 13 years ago uh, as a director of a company called Allied Healthcare which I thought was another healthcare company it turned out to be Domcare and of course as we all know once you once you uh, join social care you never leave so uh, that that then uh, we had about 10,000 staff and uh, very quickly, I saw the staff turnover was you know, approaching 100%. Um, and that looked like everyone was leaving every year, but it, it wasn't. It meant it was several hundred percent staff turnover in the first 90 days. And then people sort of, who, the few people that liked it settled in. So I thought we should do something about that. And that was kind of the start of, a, um, uh, of, of an itch I've been scratching for the last 10 years or so, is trying to say, if, if I was a busy manager or recruiter you know how can how what practically can I do differently um, we've got a lot of structural problems which we might touch on later around social care that makes it really unfair on us uh, in terms of recruitment and retention but I've spent a long time trying to identify uh, how we can recruit and retain and I wrote a book about it uh, created a, an online course about it and then more recently uh, an app looking at or trying to maximize employee referrals so I kind of deeply in a small but i think in increasingly important part of the sector great and you said you were what were you doing at allied healthcare out of interest that made you realize this problem so i was a business development director but responsible for marketing as well as a number of other things and we we couldn't develop new services without a kind of you know quality stable workforce and so that got me dragged into the workforce side so i wasn't an hr person initially it was more that uh, it was a problem if you don't have a stable workforce, which led me to try and solve that problem. Great. Um, so we're recording this podcast on late August 2021, and there's a bit of a there's a bit of a crisis or a very challenging environment going on at the moment. So, um, I guess what do you what are your thoughts on that, Neil? And I know that you're very kindly offering to to give out some potentially some resources to help care managers. So. Um, yeah, two things. What are your what are your thoughts on the current crisis? And maybe Charles, you might want to jump in there as well. And um, you know, what have you what have you got for free, Neil, for them? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure Ch Charles and I both see kind of different sides of the same coin, really, because uh, we probably spend a lot of time talking to uh, to managers and uh, anyone in social care that's that's a, an employer. 
Um, what, what is happening is a fascinating thing uh, and painful if you're in the middle of it at the moment and, and with no kind of immediate obvious respite. And that is um, that we went into COVID with, with a kind of, you know, in an unhealthy condition. As a, as a sector for reasons everybody knows around low pay and the difficult, you know, emotionally and physically challenging work and the unsocial hours and all of those things uh, and a rather genderized, you know, workforce or the perception of the public was that. So we didn't get the, uh, the kind of love that, you, that the NHS gets. So we had all of those issues. And uh, when we went into COVID, things got a bit better from the point of view of recruitment and retention, particularly from a retention point of view, because people were displaced and they thought they'd try their hand at the only sector that still seemed to be employing. So we, uh, from, a, from a retention perspective, things got better, single digits improvements, but that was a bow wave of problems uh, we were pushing ahead of us, we didn't realise, I think. Um, and as we came out of COVID, I think the problems have really started to kind of multiply and feed off each other. So Brexit, as well, is a problem from particularly if you are running a living care business and uh, if you are based in London or the southeast, particularly London, but it's wider than that now because uh, it, with Brexit and with COVID combining, you found that um, EU workers, even if they have the right to stay, uh, settled status are uh, left to go home perhaps and they can't come back or they're delaying coming back or they're rethinking it. And even if I talked to providers who said, well, I've only got two members of staff who are EU nationals, I'm not exposed to this problem. They are because 10% of the hospitality sector is uh, relies on the EU uh, workforce and they are short of staff and then they're going casting their eye around thinking where can I find people who've got customer service skills who are prepared to work for a low wage you know and difficult hours and aha there they are so um, we, we've got com that combination and of course there are some legislative impacts from trying to deal with Covid particularly as we're speaking right now mandatory vaccination but also uh, the NHS getting uh, you know a pay rise or we don't know what that number is but certainly a lot of the social care workforce are looking at what that number is and thinking well can I have some of that as well so you've got sort of multiple factors on top of each other I think we're coming out of the sort of the absentee problem around self-isolation uh, a bit more now but that over the summer period was also an extra layer on top so it's it's kind of a you know, kind of a nightmare layered cake of, of, of pain and suffering. Um, and of course, as it's, uh, you know, as the work, as the economy has bounced back um, and hospitality is quite prepared to put prices up, we, we're hearing of seven and a half percent pay increases in hospitality in, in the last few months or so. Uh, my local pub chirpily tells me, oh, is a new menu, Neil. And I look down the pizza list. It's identical. The only thing that's changed is there's two quid on every one of them. Now, that means some of that is going to uh, entice workers in. And of course, as many of us know, in social care, you're pretty restricted in terms of our elasticity, in terms of increasing wages. So, so it is a really, really difficult situation. If you can't recruit, there's more and more pressure on a workforce that I think and many have PTSD, are absolutely exhausted and burnt out. We've got people who tried it, who are leaving. Um, and so, you know, it, we have to navigate our way through the, the challenges. And of course, all through the last 18 months or so, everyone's continued to get older and people coming out of COVID have got more morbidities and challenges uh, and they are looking for help from the local authority. So it's difficult to think of another factor that can come along and make it worse <laughs> at the moment, I think. I think that's... Um, sorry. sorry, just before Charles go to you. So, Neil, what's your go-to pizza? <laughs> uh, a Hawaiian. 
Why interesting? Is, which is which is a deeply divisive pizza choice. Because my uh, my, my uh, granny my granny uh, said that you can never trust a man that has uh, pineapple on his pizza. But um, I think we, that's all we can say about that. Um, but she was she was a very wise lady. But Charles, um, you know, that, but I think you made some very valid points there, Neil. Um, Charles, from your side of the fence, what are you what are you seeing and um, at the moment? I think I mean I think Neil Neil summarised those factors pretty well. I mean it's multiple multiple structural challenges that are all coming at once and don't necessarily seem to have a particularly um, firm endpoint. Um, it's interesting what you're saying, Neil, about PTSD. And I think actually a lot of this conversation is around frontline care staff and, and maybe even nursing staff, but particularly as well, there's a, I think, impending challenge in um, leadership within the care sector as well. And we've got this whole cohort of registered managers or deputy managers who have, you know, been through the mill over the last 18 months, hanging by a thread and, you know, probably experiencing some symptoms of burnout. Yes. potential for a bit of an exodus from the workforce on that point of view as well which obviously cannot do anything positive to the ability to recruit and train and onboard frontline staff no that's a really good point and uh, you're absolutely right and, uh, and we are hearing of managers you know having to work the floor as well as try and do their job and it's difficult to move between different sites if they have different sites they're responsible for and you know just trying to understand the you know what they've got to do with say, let's pick one mandatory vaccination I heard that the recent DHSC webinar on this had over 3,000 people uh, attending. Um, I was on one um, and that had over 500. So this is something, you know, really vexing. And, and I, I would be really um, stressed if I was a manager just thinking, OK, I have to potentially move people out of this business in 16 weeks time. And, mm -hmm. you know, we know that they're going to co colleagues will not sit by and watch someone being marched off the premises without feeling you know, aggrieved about how can you do that to someone who's just worked alongside me for all of this so i mm. think you know we, we you're absolutely right the, the managers have got you know they had a tough job already but this is this is another level great and what um and just you, you know i think it's not all you've got a sort of you came on the beginning when we were chatting offline you said you had some couple of things you think might help um oh, maybe yes. home managers so what what have you got what have you got for us neil yeah, no, good point. You did say, Dan, it's a two-part question, and I just ignored the second bit. So the uh, yes, yeah, so so I do have some resources. There are there are goodies, um, and so yeah, back in 2018, I created. It's kind of like a, a, a an online uh, video version of the book, but it goes a bit further than that. And I did expert interviews with people and so on. So it's just looking at recruitment, not retention, and it's uh, about 120 lessons, bite-sized video lessons. Uh, cheat sheets, downloadable worksheets, that sort of thing, um, and resources. And that is available for free, free of charge to anyone in social care that has a responsibility or an interest in, in recruiting. And it's not a panacea, but what it is, is uh, packed full of tips and tricks that are practical, don't cost anything, ways of improving and, um, and nudging forward the way you recruit. Uh, and I think we need to do, you know, there's a lot is un out of our control uh, if you are a recruiter or a manager but what I concentrate on in the course uh, and that's at um, www.findandkeepthebest.com uh, and that that you can just sign on for free and you can access it forever um, and we've had uh, 1200 people take it up uh, sign up in the last two weeks great ah. so findandkeepthebest.com I'll make sure that's uh, in the notes as well for the show but um, Charles are you about to say something well, I was just going to ask a question, Neil. What um, sounds great? I'm looking forward to doing the recruitment masterclass myself. Why, why have you just focused on the recruitment side rather than the retention piece? Because I think we we spoke many times before, and 
you're obviously very, very, you know, the importance of retaining the staff rather than just finding them, putting them in the top of the funnel. Yeah, so that's a good question. I, but I felt it was too much to do in one um, course. Originally, this was a paid course. And um, and then I, um, I came up with the idea of Care Friends and I just didn't have enough time to keep, you know, to do it. So there actually was uh, the last video I had to go and re-record because it said, yeah, join me soon for my retention masterclass. And I thought, oops, you know, I, I don't know if I'll do that. I think I should do it. But th there may be a different way of doing that. And I'm looking at some sort of interactive um, sort of website, almost like a sort of NHS 111 symptom checker. So you can say, OK, what's my problem with retention? Where Where is your problem? And usually it's in the first 90 days and sort of unpick all the all the different causes um, of that. And I think we often find if you, if you are a, a multi-site business, you'll have terrible staff turnover in one or two settings and it'll be amazing in others. So a lot of it is situational. Although we know the biggest influence on retention is who you recruit in the first place. And example being employee referrals being the very best source, you know, and probably job center and, you know, job boards nowadays being one of the poorest quality sources. So the source and who you find and, and how you pick them sets the scene for your staff turnover. But there's a lot you can do to improve it regardless. Um, and I cover a lot of those in the book. But you're right. If I have time, I should I should do a whole nother course or some kind of, you know, interactive way of communicating all of these different um, uh, kind of interventions that you can do. Maybe you could do it together, Charles, you and Neil, you could uh, do some retention. That, that I'm sure people would be interested to read that. Well, I was just writing my I was writing a blog article just now. So maybe I'll get you to collaborate, Neil. Yeah, um, yeah, but Neil, actually, there was just like one thing you said at the beginning there about like a symptom checker about around retention. And, people trying to identify what is going wrong in their kind of retention life cycle mm. how would i as a home manager start to approach that question what kind of things would i need to be looking at so i think the first thing to do is is have some understanding of the data so people might say oh goodness i'm losing staff the question is you know is that more than you should lose so skills for care publish staff turnover uh data and you can compare yourself to that depending on the type of setting you have but we know that generally not-for-profits have a lower staff turnover. Um, it depends on where you're located. So generally in a, a more urban area, you have younger workforce because that's the demographics you're recruiting from. And they have an inbuilt, um, more, they're more likely to leave for a whole range of reasons, being more mobile and so on. Um, and then you need to think about um, the, types, the type of experience they're having. So I would be looking at the data and saying, when are these people leaving? So just looking at annual staff turnover masks the fact, and I gave this example earlier, that actually your problem might lie in the first week of work. And we know as an example, that 17% of people who walk out on day one of their first day of their job do so because nobody smiled and they didn't feel welcome. So that's something you can do something about. If you feel, oh, we're really focused on the operations here and maybe, the new starter comes in at a time when it's mega busy. Just moving the time of their arrival could be uh, an intervention that would make a difference. People are stressed. They don't know where the care home is, for example. Uh, and they might think, oh, I don't know where to park. What am I going to and, and, you know, just giving them information about what's going to happen in that day can improve things as well. So there are like multiple little things you can do. I think that the biggest things are people feeling wanted and welcomed and supported in those first initial Days. And one of the ways of doing that very simply is to is to get the boss to say hi to them and, and then they feel like they exist. 
and they want it. So the, I mean, there are many, many things like that. And I tend to look at where the problem is. It may be that people are, are reach a year, an anniversary of employment. And often we're quite good at saying, oh, well done, Charles, you've reached two years, you know, with the care home. But what that does is trigger you to think, hmm, what's next year going to be like? Is it going to be like last year? And mm -hmm. I've been here two years. You just hired somebody and you're paying them the same as me. So, you know, we need to think about how, what's the personal and professional development pathway of people. Equally, uh, we are quite focused on careers. It's very difficult to offer career pathways in smaller businesses, of course, with very flat management structures. But not everybody wants that. And a lot of people have joined social care to stay connected with the people they're supporting. And so how can we develop them in place is another is another challenge. That's very interesting, Neil. So you're you are more than a one-trick pony. You didn't know about retention as well as recruitment. So that is, uh, so, the, so, yeah, I'm the front and back of the pantomime. So that is good. So um, <laughs> no, you should do more about that because I, you know, honestly, we, you know, I don't think there is enough people out there to recruit. Right? If you can't, if the retention is too high, it doesn't matter how many people you're piling in the top. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I think... we'd love to hear more. We'd love to hear more about you, you out there on your retention. That'd be great. Yeah, no, I think it's, um, there's, I mean, I, and I probably know, you know, 10% of the possibilities. And, and what's frustrating is many of the managers listening will have great ideas. They don't realise that they should share them with everybody else. And, yeah. you know, that's another thing we could do potentially is say, everyone contribute an idea and you get everybody's ideas back. You know, that, so I think the sector needs to kind of, kind of self-solve some of these problems because we do all have our own little tips and tricks and you know, obviously, obviously tried to make a career out of hoovering up other people's ideas and representing. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Neil. Um, and then, you know, just just you obviously have a, a great app, Care Friends, and lots of people use it. Um, so I think maybe you can tell us about that, but be also interested to hear, you know, what is the best way that when people are putting a new process or a system into a care setting, be that a home care provider or a, a residential care provider, what's What's your tips and tricks for, like, for making it work? Um, because you know, we, often feedback we get is, you know, any sort of change is always, is always there's always some inertia, there's going to be some challenge, um, people are going to have doubts. Um, yeah, what, would be your, what would be your tips for those, for those managers? How do they bring their staff on the journey um, to success? Yeah, so that's really fascinating. You know, there, there's a there's a very kind of long running discussion about, say, for example, how you do you get digital transformation into a sector like ours, and you know what are the impediments? And I think you know certainly as a as a provider of technology now, I never have been before. I think you know we we consistently have to do more and more about of user testing. So, for example, for the app, which is an employee referral app, the way that would what the way it works is we need we need the care staff to understand what it is and want to download it it's not a compulsory thing and then use it uh, and we need the recruiter or the manager to operate the portal side and the two things have to happen together but of course you need sponsorship from the top as well so i think a lot of the uh, the frustrations and challenges i guess come down to internal communication and it's, it is a challenge for a manager to get the word out often. I think, I think actually COVID has helped because there's had to be much more compulsory communication. Two-way communication channels have had to be created. And I think that's set uh, a platform to help technology be taken up. But there's almost a queue of tech. So if I was a manager, you know, it's difficult to try and say, OK, well, we, if we've signed up to change our say HR system, well, everything else has to stop now because we need that thing embedded. And often the, the technology provider hasn't done a good enough job of supporting 
uh, and providing assets to allow the uh, the care home manager to get the word out simply. So we, we've had to create videos and assets to help them. We can't expect them to do anything themselves. We have to make sure everything's available. And I think um, it, it, it's, it's almost a cognitive overload for managers when at the moment they have registers to complete, they have you know, mandatory vaccination, uh, new legislation to understand, you know, they probably, and they have a recruitment, in our case, recruitment and retention crisis. So, so it's almost like, I use the analogy of chasing the chickens instead of fixing the fence. And I think that, and that is, I mean, it's no, no criticism of managers. It's just really difficult to get the headspace to think about this. And that's why for us, particularly social proof from other providers and managers like them that have had successes with the app, for example, are the thing that would encourage them to invest some of their precious time in, okay, we're going to do this uh, and we're going to get behind it. I think it, you have to be enthusiastic and you have to wholeheartedly go for a, a digital change. If you're kind of hesitant, then if you need the staff involved like we do, they sense that and they'll think, oh, well, I'm, you know, it, it may not last. So I think there are, there are, there are multiple uh, things that can be done, but um the the challenge to overcome i guess is to is to make the manager excited enough to carve out the time to yeah, yeah. you know to make a success of it any any tips from your side charles of implementing technology across the care sector uh it's a big question dan i think it, it just to add to what neil said which i think is all absolutely correct especially when you're getting to bigger organizations as well when it's not just manager and, and their staff and starting to have to bring in maybe the finance department or or hr team or indeed you know company directors um making sure you're getting buy-in from all these different parts of the from the organization is super important because especially when you're talking about things like big systems right like um electronic health records or as you say hr systems or anything like that that touches loads of different departments if you're not bringing everyone together on that journey and explaining why it's going to be a good thing for them um you're you're, you're destined to really run into some roadblocks on the way very good. And then, um, so Neil, obviously, you know, you've just sort of wrapping up because these, these episodes are only about 30 minutes, but, you know, so just tell people just a bit more about Care Friends. You said it's an employee referral app, but, um, you know, if you, you know, give us, give us your sales, give us your sales pitch because, um, <laughs> you know, there are a few people that listen to this that may not have heard of it or maybe on, as you say, they're, they're doing a lot and they're, you know, is it worth that? I've only got so much time to commit. Shall I give it a go? Should I not? Is it difficult to implement? How, you know, what success do you get? Um, I'd be interested to hear. Oh no, absolutely, yeah, and thank you. The so the the concept of it is to really digitise the uh, the employee referral process, and the reason we want to do that is because employee referrals are by far the best source of staff. So any time an existing member of your team thinks about who would be good in the job, that they're local, uh, that they have a car if needed, um, and that they got the right values, then you're already onto a winner. So we know from Internet Job Board, you're hiring like one percent of the people that apply, uh, whereas it can be, um, you know, 10 percent or, or, or um, one in five from referral. It's much, much better quality. The challenge has always been an employee referral scheme is something that's moribund, forgotten, the torn poster on the wall. Uh, and people forget to get the they don't get paid often the referral reward or they're made to wait six months for it. So I studied all of that and, and looked at how we could use gamification. So using points which can be delivered instantly to an app to keep people engaged, to keep them informed of what's going on and make sure they don't lose their points. Um, and, and it's sort of taken off from that uh, using that concept. And we've opened up the channels to recruitment and what has been 
really exciting is to see the many potential people that are in the local community that are known to your existing staff who would never have applied for the job if they don't have a nudge or someone reach out, reaches out to them. And I think that's very different to active job seekers on the job board who kind of gone there saying, I'm looking for a job, not always the right people and not always looking for a job in social care. But this is a whole different pool that we're tapping into. And so in terms of results that providers see, then they're seeing if they're already running a scheme, employee referral scheme, you tend to get 7% of your starters every year from, from employee referral. And we can push that to 20, 25% or more. It's, it's not everybody, but what it does do is give you a benchmark or rather a foundation of, of long staying people. So we, I did a piece of work back in 2016, even before Care Friends was a glint in my eye. Uh, and I looked at um, many, many providers sent me their uh, Excel spreadsheets of, of their uh, retention stats. And I, f I found on average that if, if you recruit from an Internet job board, that there's 180 um, hours of care before they leave or you fire them. Uh, and, and the comparison was employee referrals, 4,500 hours. So I think that kind yeah. of sums up why we would want to do it. Um, and we try to make it as simple as possible. So it's a, it's a very, you know, everything we can automate, we're automating. And it's a journey. You know, we've got so much more to do. But um, the app is, is live in Australia, Ireland, and uh, obviously in the UK, in pretty much every country of the UK. And, uh, and we hope to be in America, um, I would say, in the fall. But that's like in a week's time or so. So, <laughs> so maybe next year early. That's exciting, Neil. Um, how many um, how many employee referrals have you generated? Can I so, ask? How is that secret? No, no, it's not a secret. We publish a lot of this stuff. So in terms of in terms of the job sharing, so that's going on the app as a care worker uh, mm. and selecting a job and either sharing it widely on Facebook with your friends or particularly thinking, aha, there's my friend that should be doing this job, and that's like text or WhatsApp. Uh, over a third of a million shares have happened, uh, and it's generated probably now approaching twenty thousand candidates i would say uh something of that number we have about the same number about twenty-two thousand care workers at the moment are on the app and in terms of points and they can earn points not just from referrals which is what we've been talking about but because a lot of the staff have the app then managers are starting to give bonus points in fact some of them only use it that way if they've got a stable workforce and they're not recruiting you can give bonus points for you know, um, uh, congratulations, you've had a compliment from a client or, you know, you were, you can offer incentives. If you want to pick up a shift, you know, we'll give you a certain amount of points, that kind of thing. So we those points have, have passed three quarters of a million pounds worth now. So probably in a couple of months time, we will we will have given care workers a million pounds. Probably. Well, that's, that's great. Uh, that's kudos to you now. And how many of those people do you think are net new to care? I mean, you probably don't know that, but I do like, know. Oh, you do. Of the 20,000, how many people were not working in care before Neil Eastwood came along? 43%. That's pretty good, isn't it? And, and that compares as a benchmark to 33, which is the, it's roughly two thirds um, are, are not new to care in the sector as a, as a whole. So only a third come into the sector every year. And we're 10% above that. We want to get to 50%. It gets harder after that because care workers know care workers and so on. But, but we really want, we're all about increasing capacity rather than moving people from one setting to another amazing well we wish you all the best and um and thank you for that offer to listeners for your resource that's really kind and you know genuinely i'm serious if you want to come back again and talk about retention once you've launched in america maybe uh, i think that's a really be a really interesting topic for our listeners because you know a lot of people do 
just revert to recruitment when actually um, if they spent half as much energy or time or effort in retention, they probably wouldn't have such a problem. But, um, but yeah, it'd be great. So uh, just wrapping up, Charles, um, any last, any kind of last thoughts or questions for Neil before we um, let him go back to his day job? Uh, no, very grateful for Neil to come on the podcast. I know he's a busy man. He's got a lot of stuff going on at the moment. So grateful to have you, Neil, and really, really insightful conversation. Thank you. No, and thank you for both inviting me. And um, I, I, I've got to have a Hawaiian pizza now. You've used that trigger word. Uh, <laughs> so I will do that tonight. And I mean, thank maybe, you so we won't, maybe we won't invite you back then. But, uh, but <laughs> do, 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 do enjoy it, Neil. Thanks a lot. Yeah, no, thanks very much, guys. You've been listening to the Florence Talks podcast. If you want to know more about Florence, then check us out at florence.co.uk. Thank you. And until next time, bye for now.